0: Alright everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Two Planker Podcast. Today on the show we have the founder of Snow Void Magazine, Mr. Theo Vivian. And uh, we basically spent an hour getting to know him and getting to know a little bit more about his project. The next issue of the magazine is coming out on January 1st, and you can buy that at snow-void.com. As always, if you like the show, be sure to subscribe and give us a rating. Follow us on Instagram, at twoplankerpod, to stay up to date on everything that we're doing. Theo was recommended by Holden Baldazzi. Hope I pronounced that name right. So, shout out to him for reaching out. That's all for the intro. I hope you like it. Hello, this is Morphine, and you are watching Alternative Nation with Kennedy on MTV. And Theo, would you like to introduce yourself for anybody that doesn't know you? Uh, yeah, my name's
1: Theo Vivian. I'm a skier from Calgary, Alberta, uh, Canada, currently living in Montreal. And I also run uh, Snow Void magazine.
0: Sweet. Yeah, so Snow Void uh, has been on my list for a while. Um, I bought every issue, as I was showing you before. And uh, yeah, I just wanted to hear a little bit about the behind the scenes of it and uh, what made you start it I think let's start off with like who you are before we get to what the magazine's all about so where'd you grow up and uh, what's your story? Uh, Well I grew up in Calgary skiing at the resort there uh,
1: Canada Olympic Park COP Um, all through middle school and high school and uh, university too I, I was always going to school right by the hills so I would always you know just go to class for the day and then drive over to the hill with all my gear in the back of my car and I don't know, go skiing for a couple hours after class. And that was, like, I don't know, most of my ski career, I guess, uh, until I switched to, like, mainly just hitting handrails for, like, the last four or five years. And, uh, oh, I don't know.
0: Yeah. So how did you transition from um, riding at a resort to riding in the streets? Um, well... I don't know if anyone listening
1: to this is like from Calgary. I guess some people would be, but like the ski resort there, COP is like, uh, how do I describe it? It's like, used to be just like kind of a small hill where people would go and like ski the rails and stuff. But like it got like more and more competition centric over the years where it got more like geared towards training for contests and having big contests and stuff and eventually like it just uh, it lost like a bit of the fun of like going to just like a fun hill so like the logical thing to do was to go kind of start hitting handrails around town just because I got more satisfaction out of it and it was like fun to just like work on a video part and okay also I guess I should say like I grew up skiing competitions I was like a mogul skier slash slope style skier for like when I was a teenager basically like 13 through 17 maybe and uh i just realized at a certain point like i wasn't gonna be like a comp boss i like couldn't hit jumps and i like, couldn't do corks i think like the most i spun was like a 720 over like multiple years of kind of technical training and like i don't know i realized like i'd have to do something else like maybe
0: hit street stuff
1: what are you, are you, what
0: do you ski, like the mountain? Yeah, dude, I'm, so I'm on the uh, east coast of the United States in Connecticut, so we just got a bunch of small hills, and mm-hmm. uh, I just go to my local mountain, shout out Ski Sundown, I, I talk about them like every episode, but yeah, dude, it's just a small little mountain, and uh, just park laps, try to get it in when I can, but honestly, I've never, I don't know, I don't know why this is, but I've never really explored the the street side of things, like I've never found a street crew to really roll with. Uh, so hmm. like when I was, when I was like a teenager, we would do a couple things. There was a cemetery with a big hill down the road from me that had a nice stair set. So we would like do some air stuff over that. Never any handrails. Yeah, it yeah, was cool, but it. we never like never gone on any street missions. Um, who knows, maybe this season I'd be stoked on that because it looks super fun. And uh, I don't know, it could be, it could be pretty gnarly. What was your experience getting into it? Were you, uh, were you busting your ass or did you kind of take to it? Um, I don't really
1: know. I The year I graduated high school, I turned 18 and a few months after I moved to uh, Whistler, like BC, mm-hmm. and I like just was living in like a crappy room and like working at the Domino's Pizza and skiing like every day, like skiing with Park and Black Park and stuff there. And it was like the most I had ever skied. And then the following year, like I kind of got disillusioned with life in Whistler. Like it was sort of, I don't know if it was really my thing. It's pretty cool, but I like moved back to Calgary, And then I, I don't know, I just felt like, like filming a street part was the right thing to do. And I don't know if anyone's seen this video called Metro that was made by Connor Wilson, but it was like the first video part I put out and it came, like, right off the heels of me skiing Whistler, like, every day the previous season. So, like, I was kind of warmed up to just, like, hit bigger rails and stuff. And I definitely got broken off, but I'm pretty sure it's, like, the first street part I made was probably the best. Or, like, have, like, the hardest spots and stuff. So, it's actually funny. I think it's been downhill, like, since the beginning. I just, like, hit, like, more fun stuff now.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And so what was the inspiration for that? Like, were you looking at other crews on the streets and you're like, yeah, I want a piece of that? Or what What, what inspiration were you taking uh, when you were first getting into it? Um, well, there was like, Rob Hewell
1: was from Calgary and he filmed this really sick part called Gary Berta, which was like the main reference, like for everything we were doing because there wasn't really like a ton of street skiing in Calgary. There was like in the mid 2000s, I know there were a lot of crews going there and like for trips and hitting a bunch of spots. But in terms of crews that were actually active in the city, like it was really just uh, like Rob Huel was filming like little individual video parts. And there was this crew called 403 Media who was pretty sick with like Mark Hendrickson and Braden Schrader, And they were hitting a lot of stuff. But I don't know like it seemed like there really wasn't a lot going on in the scene there so it was me and like my friend brendan and sean and connor shout out those guys they're really sick and we would just like go and do it i don't know <laughs> there really
0: wasn't a much, bunch like going on around us to like inspire us yeah that's cool man i, I mean shout out rob rob Hewley. he uh he's he's, he's a nice the yeah, sick. he was. Yeah, he was super cool about it. Yeah, that's sick. I listened to a bit of that
1: when I was taking a shower the other day, but not the whole thing. It was really sick. Rob is really sick. He's like the guy from Calgary who like really did it, in my opinion. At least like in the sense of like the type of skiing that I'm into. There's like a lot of contest people from Calgary who are pretty good, but Rob was like the cool guy doing it. So it's sick yeah. he went on. I gotta, I gotta go listen to that. First of all, I, I mean, I think it's crazy you bought all the magazines. <laughs>
0: I, did, I, I, you like, buy I, I bought them i don't even know where i saw i don't even know where i saw the magazine i must have just followed you on followed it on instagram or i don't even know who cross promoted it but um dude i love it there's no other there's no other street skiing magazines out there right now it's kind of like a revival of what skateboarding magazines used to be at least in my eyes and that's why that's why i love it but um yeah, yeah i mean if you want to get it if we can get jump straight into that like what was your inspiration for it i wouldn't say i mean first of all i'm not sure if it's like
1: really like a technical magazine i wouldn't say it's like the follow-up to free ski or anything in terms of like everything in there is sort of like out of date and like funny and just like weird stuff um but you know people have been sending in a lot of photos which have been sick and uh Man, I don't even really know how to talk about it. It's it's basically just like a fun project. I mean, the whole thing started when I blew like I tore my ACL or sorry MCL skateboarding like uh, three years ago, I think. And uh, it was in September, so it was right before ski season. And I was like supposed to be going out and skiing rails, but I couldn't. And I didn't know what to do, so I just like started going on all the sessions with crutches and just like a camera and like shooting all my friends. And then I didn't know what to do with the photos, so I decided like the best place to put them was probably on print, like as opposed to Instagram, because I figured like they would just disappear or whatever. And I like started printing all the photos in this little book and uh, Before the first one like really came out, I reached out to a friend of mine, uh, Zoe Blewett, who like shoots a bunch of photos and she sent me like a ton of park skiing photos from like a bunch of random people. And all those photos just came together and that was like the first edition, which is like pretty cutty. I don't know. Like you have it, it's like kind of bad, but it was basically just like an excuse to like print photos and like work on something. Cause I wasn't going to be working on like a video part that year cause I was hurt. Yeah. The, the ball first, just kind of rolled from there.
0: You put together this first issue. And like you said, the first issue is mainly just a placeholder for photos. Like a lot of these are like, you got some of that, uh, the Yosei that the movie from Japan mm-hmm. got a lot in there with like Taylor Lundquist and all of them. Mm-hmm. And then you do have like some of these more editorial things like video look back and uh, what was the other? Like the illegal trick. So when did so when did it co- go from all right, let's make a, a photo book to you know, like all right, first issue we're gonna interview Cal Carson, gonna throw in some jokey stuff. Like when did you decide, okay, let's make this like an actual you know, not like a legit magazine, but, you know, like, a let's, let's take a step in the right direction for making a magazine. Yeah, I think it honestly came down to
1: just, we had to fill pages. Like, I seem to remember going down to the print shop with, like, 15 pages of photos, and they're like, you know, this is going to cost, like, 16 bucks to print each one, right, unless you have more pages, because the way, like, the printing works is the more pages you have, like, the cheaper it is. And I was like, okay, if I want to make this, like, somewhat economically viable, like, I should really like fill it out. And thankfully I had like some connections to call Cal Carson, cause I was skiing for a Vishnu for like a couple of years. And uh, so he was down to help out. And I don't know, the jokey stuff, I don't really know where that came in, but a, like a big inspiration for the magazine is like Big Brother magazine. If you've ever heard of it, the skateboard one. Yeah. Which, I okay, going, you know, going back to read Big Brother, it's, like, it really didn't age well, and a lot of the stuff in there is really bad and offensive, but, like, I always thought that kind of attitude in the magazine of, like, jokes and, like, kind of poking fun at people was funny just from reading Big Brother, like, that's the stuff I found the most engaging, so when it came down to, like, having to fill out pages for the magazine, I was, like, you might as well do something kind of, like, funny and entertaining as opposed to, like, something serious. Cause I don't know if people like really care about serious stuff all that much, to be honest.
0: Yeah, definitely. And it, like, that, and that comes across, like I said, it, it, it reads like a, a skate magazine. And that's why I feel like, that's why I said, it. I think it's a great reflection of what street skiing is. Cause it's kind of this like, it's gnarly, but it's also, there's like this ironic element of the whole thing. It's like poking mm-hmm. fun. At, it's like kind of poking fun at skiing. Like you look at the Jeremy Velu interview and you're asking, it's like worst brand, worst skier, like all this, all this stuff that wouldn't be in a traditional, you know, professional publication, having skiers rag on other skiers. You're throwing it in there, mm. so I think it's like, do you think there's any ski magazine that's kind of replicated what you're going for, or is it only like skate magazines that have ventured into this kind of territory? Ski
1: magazines, I don't really know. I haven't seen any, but like it'd be sick if someone did it, (laughs) I'd be down like for there to be more magazines, but um, yeah, honestly, like I was never too, I was never that big of a fan of like skiing magazines, really at all, because I remember growing up, I had the subscription to like SBC Skier, which is like the Canadian Ski Magazine, and it would like come in the mail every month, and it was just like the worst thing ever. It was like every issue was just like top 15, like resort restaurants to eat at, like Apres ski type stuff. And I was like, okay, like nobody's reading anything like this, like nobody cares about this. Like how can I make it like engaging and worthwhile to spend money on? So you kind of have to take something with like a bit like harder of an edge sort of to like justify it being like a print publication, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah. I don't really know. No, definitely. I mean, have you always been a print guide? Like that's somebody that's appreciated print or did you go, did you study journalism? Like where did uh, the interest in, in all in this come from?
1: Mainly I would say skate magazines and like other things. Like I was really influenced by like photo books and like zines and stuff like that. Like those types of things influenced the magazine a lot more than skiing magazines. like, as I'm sure like some people would maybe like pick up on, but um I was always into like having books and like mainly like photo books were like a big inspiration to me. And I had a bunch, like a lot of Larry Clark stuff and I don't know. So yeah, I was always pretty into it and I still am into it now. Although since COVID happened, I've been having a harder time finding books and stuff around, but
0: yeah. Yeah. And so who's the I mean, after the first edition, it starts to get more serious quickly. I mean, the second edition is all black and white, but then for three through five, and I think five is the most recent one. I mean, these are full size, Mm. like actual magazines. So how did you get your team together? You know, you're the editor in chief, CEO, Mm. you you give yourself two different titles across the magazines, but how did you assemble a crew of people that can contribute and uh, set up the the supply chain that actually lets you print this for, hopefully for... Not too expensive.
1: Um, Well, here's the first problem. Uh, The supply chain issue is very expensive. (laughs) That's like one of the big problems with the magazines because the the run is so short that it's like very expensive to produce. But okay, that's not related to... (laughs) In terms of like staff and editors, like most people just like reached out to me and said that they'd be down. Like there's a lot of people interested in writing like weird little pieces and like... being interviewed and stuff like that. And I think when they saw the ball rolling on the magazine, like they kind of reached out. That's how I got in touch with like Jake Lewis, who like writes all the weird, funny things that are like at the ends of the magazine, like the top sheet reviews and stuff. Um, And then, you know, like for example, with someone like Jake, he reached out and he did like one article. And then I just like thought it was so funny. Like I would just ask him to write one for like all of the magazines basically. And I don't know. People just reach out to me and they're like down to do it. And like, I don't know, I help kind of like make it happen. But it's a lot, a lot of the articles and stuff are like self-directed, like people just kind of do whatever they want. like, yeah, yeah, I don't know. I also feel like I'm not very good at talking. I think I'm better at writing. If only a podcast could be just like an essay, I think I'd have a better time.
0: Yeah. I mean, I've I've tried to I've tried to do one of those audio essays before. I did a whole episode about Banshee Bungie and Yeah, yeah. I listened to that. Yeah, how'd you like that one? I feel like that's a pretty interesting story, especially uh with the whole the actual like literal Karen element of the whole thing.
1: Yeah. I mean, no, that was awesome work, man. I, I was really happy when I listened to that. Like and it's cool. Well, it's not cool, but that you interviewed that guy's mom. I mean, that poor kid sounded like he got like pretty pretty beat up
0: <laughs> Yeah,
1: it was like sick to like hear the whole story and that you like because I never really figured out what the real end of the saga was so it was like really sick to hear you like
0: break it down yeah i like I don't know maybe I'll
1: give you a job in the future
0: <laughs> maybe dude I don't know how my I don't know how my writing skills are I think uh I've had to write some long papers but never never had to write anything for somebody's enjoyment which I think is a completely different challenge you know writing something in a non-academic um. setting sometimes you just got to do it and it comes out fine i think yeah um we're at an interesting time right now because pre-internet pre new schoolers this would all be in magazines and then it moved to online where there was a lot of content on new schoolers and now it's going back offline for some reason we're, we're back into print and that and you know i'm do, i'm telling stories on the mic rather than writing them out like what what do you think's happening to the like the content consumption world where people want to want to read magazines again and they want to listen to long form stuff i mean it could be a couple of things i think for like the physical media
1: aspect it's like just nice to own something if that makes sense like it's nice to like have something in your possession so like i I could see like books and like to some extent dvds and stuff are coming back which is cool because like That that makes it like a lot more tangible than social media or like YouTube or whatever just like to own something and you just pull it off the shelf and like check it out, but also maybe. I mean I don't know when the real switch to like instagram footage and stuff happened, but maybe people are like just starting to get a bit sick of it and like. The like just the short snippets that like don't really it's not like a whole thing if that makes sense, I think people are like kind of catching on to it, I think it like really popped off because it was like something new. And you could, like, be exposed to so much stuff. But maybe people realize that, you know, it's better to, like, be exposed to less
0: but better stuff, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, it's like a – a, basically there's an information overload right now. So sometimes rather than having, you know, a billion freaking things to scroll through, it's better just to have less choices but higher quality. I mean, who knows if it's even higher quality. But, like, you open up a magazine – and it's not, a, it's not an infinite scroller. What's there is what you got, you know? And so gotcha. I think there's a certain degree of that where it's like, all right, this is, you know, like this, this is this issue five. You go through it and then you could go back to it whenever you want. And it's, there's going to be nothing new. It's going to be the same thing every time. But you're right. There is something like nice about having it in your possession and then being able to just pull it off the shelf and be like, oh yeah. I, I, yeah. It, it is kind of hard to uh, put into words what's special about it
1: yeah unless you like do it yeah that's why people always thought i was weird because i've always been like collecting like books and DVDs and magazines and like records and cds and people thought i was crazy like when i was doing that like five years ago but now like everyone like has a record player and stuff so like i was sort of like (laughs) proven maybe right i don't really know you get like any other magazines
0: no i don't honestly these are the only magazines that i get um i would be interested in getting some more ski publications but it's like i can't bring myself to buy you know like maybe i'd buy forecast and like i know i see lupe share a lot of ski journal stuff so like those people people that when i see a publication that has people i respect recommending it i'm more likely to buy it but it's just like i I can't go into like a gas station and pick up forecast or ski journal so i don't i just don't have any other uh any other ski content mm-hmm. and i don't know for some reason i i saw yours and i, I latched onto it. i don't know it, it does it speaks to like this new like this new type of skiing so that's why i like it you Instead, ever seen like any of those ma-
1: mountain gazette things the Rogie?
0: yeah so i i, I have those? seen some of those too yeah that's another that's another good one too that like i'd be interested in looking into but it's just like i don't know I, for some yeah. reason i just haven't i haven't investigated all those different angles of it. I'm so damn busy dude it's like I don't know I haven't had, I mean what what ski publications are you stoked on have you read any of those
1: uh no <laughs>
0: <laughs> I don't know I, I really want to get some of those
1: mountain gazettes but I like haven't got like you said I haven't gotten around to it but they look really really sick mm-hmm. they're really cool I'm not like subscribed to anything like any sort of magazine really always like just like find stuff on the side of the road and stuff I read really that Not skiing, not specifically skiing related, but in terms of general publications. So like what what sort of stuff are you
0: talking about? Like local Um, publications or or like special intro stuff? Dude, it's like anything. Like I got a big stack of magazines by the computer here.
1: I mean like, oh wait, never mind. Okay, I'm not going to show you. Okay, cut this part out. (laughs)
0: That's
1: (laughs) All the magazines I have suck. But uh, yeah, really, I don't know. I think like a big inspiration, I don't know if anyone will have this book, but like it's called Fuse 1 through 20 by Neville Brody, who was like a typographer and he ran a magazine that was like, he would invite three like typography type artists like slash graphic designers to design like a font, like a typeface uh, for each issue that came out every three months, I believe. And he would like, they would make weird art out of all the typography, And then make a magazine out of that and in the back of the magazine there would be a floppy disk because this was like back in the 90s early 2000s and they would like have all the typefaces and stuff like that uh, on the floppy disk and i remember like when i I first started going to university like three years ago i'm like going into my fourth year in calgary and i learned about like this guy neville brody through one of my classes and i ended up buying one of his books and, like, that book in particular, Fuse 1 through 20, I, I mean, I guess we're, like, talking about influences, too, like, that, that's a big influence on the magazine, is, like, and then that, that book is, like, a compilation of, like, the first 20 issues of this magazine. Yeah. So that's, like, one of the big, like, reference ones I look towards.
0: That's cool. Do you, are you more interested in, specifically for magazines and, like, the ski world, are you more interested in biographies or are you more interested in, kind of abstract stuff like opinion pieces and stories, like what what interests you more?
1: Definitely like more abstract stuff. Like I don't know if I'd be crazy to read a like skier interview or anything. I mean some of them are good, but like I mean one problem I have with this whole ski magazine thing is that like I don't know what the hell's really going on in skiing and I like I'm not the best at paying attention to it. So if I was like presented like a ski interview with like some up and coming guy, like I probably might not even know like who it is, (laughs) if that makes sense. So like uh, more abstract concepts on like, you know, just like the generalities of skiing and like stuff as related to skiing as an activity are gonna like be more interesting to me by nature, as opposed to like specific stories or like interviews or stuff like that. And, like, I know that people do want to read interviews and stuff, so I put those, like, in my magazine, but I also try and have, like, I don't know, more, like, abstract concept pieces. Yeah. they just, like, appeal to a broader audience for, like, the general population and for me as well,
0: I think. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you brought it there because that's how, That's what I was going to ask. Do you, do you publish what you're interested in or do you publish what you think people want to see or maybe a mix of both? Uh, I mean, maybe a little
1: bit of both, but basically, like, I mean, the magazine, we have like a bunch of people writing in and stuff like that, and a bunch of people doing art and like that sort of stuff. But it's really like, at the end of it, it's like me personally doing like a lot of the work for it and a lot of the writing. So like, a lot of what's in there is just like, stuff that I'm interested in. And like, there's not really like a whole ton of layers of like, I don't know editing and stuff. Like it's not like gone through like super specifically. I guess to like edit it for the general population. Like it's a lot of the stuff is like really like an extension of what I'm thinking, which has definitely gotten me into trouble a couple times. But uh, I don't know.
0: That's interesting that you said that you don't really know what's going on in skiing, and I like that you said that because I also feel the same way. Like I don't generally speaking. I don't know what's going on in skiing at any point, like mm. from any direction, unless I really look into it. Like I have, I never know what's going on with competitions ever. Mm. Like I hardly yeah. even knew that the due tour was this week. And uh in like, the, the cruise, it's such an, it's such an ever evolving like landscape that I don't even know unless I look, unless I look into it, like this fall, I really did a lot of research into what's going on right now. But um yeah, dude, like at any, at any point in time, it's such a big, diverse industry that it's like no one's gonna i mean reasonably no one's gonna know like every aspect of yeah it. So I th- that's kind of like the approach i take to this show is like i just try to show whenever i come across a new aspect of it or something else to show people i'm stoked on mm-hmm. it because there's no way to see every side of it there's so many different parts of it i like and that's why i reached out to you for this part of it i actually had you out for a while and then uh but i kind of wrote off i kind of wrote off reaching out to you because uh on the instagram it said uh, new ad- new issue coming when we feel like it i was like all right this could take you know this could take whenever but now you've updated it to january 1st so what what kind of put the fire under your ass to make a new one
1: um i figured everyone would be hung over on january 1st and more likely to be staring at their phones i guess <laughs> i don't really know like Cause I was trying to put the upcoming issue out like in the spring of last year, but I was doing like, I mean, online school in Calgary, it was like the end of my third year uh, at university. And it was like, it was just so busy that I just, I couldn't do it. Like I didn't have enough money to like pay for like all the costs. And I don't know, it just like, didn't really happen. So I had to kind of roll it over until this year and like, I don't know, I just figured <laughs> I should probably do it or else like maybe it won't even happen at all. Like, I don't know. Yeah, I just figured like it It was a good time. Like I have like enough photos. I'm like getting close to 100 pages, which is pretty good. It's like the longest one yet. And like some people have been buying ad space and stuff, which like gives me like enough money to like pay for all the setup costs and stuff, for the print shop. And like, I don't know, I just moved to Montreal uh, from Calgary in uh, April. And I had to like basically sort out like all the logistics again in terms of like print shops and like places to get clothing made and stuff like that and like I'm just now like figuring it out like I just found a print shop like I mean the whole reason I updated the release date is because I finally found like a print shop who would like kind of work within my price range to do it, which like made it possible. So, but like I mean the whole magazine is so like fly by the seat of my pants like there's really no logic to like anything that ever happens. Like, so there's no real logical reason it's happening now. It's just like, is working out that way,
0: I guess. Yeah. I, I mean, do you have, do you have any aspirations to make it like a regular publication or is it just whenever you, whenever you feel like it?
1: Um, I don't know. Like, I guess it's important to note that like Snow Void is like one of my projects, but like I do a whole bunch of other stuff that's like, interesting to me that i spend a lot of time on like i work on a lot of music and like other stuff like i've been i film like three full-length skate videos and like i just like have a bunch of other like projects work i'm working on it's not like snowboy's sick and it's probably my most successful weird entrepreneurial idea but it's not like i'm not trying to make it like a thing you know what i mean yeah i think it's like better i I feel like people wouldn't be as interested if it came out like every month or like every two months or whatever like it's not as exciting as when it just like kind of randomly comes out and like is good and you
0: know what I mean yeah definitely like you're not focused on it I mean do you care if it if it grows and more people see it or you just put it at like whatever happens happens right now it's like whatever
1: happens happens I mean it would be good to scale it up but I kind of feel like I don't know, like there's a whole catch 22 sort of thing with it where like in order to scale up production, like I would need more funding from advertisers and stuff like that. But if I want to like write the magazine in the tone I want, which is like making kind of like fun of skiing and like, I don't know, some people are sometimes at the end of the joke and stuff like that, like advertisers like will not fund it. So it's like I can like I, I need money to do it but like to do it my way, like I can't really make a ton of money off it. So like, it's hard to like grow, I guess. More so like, I'm just really looking to like, I'm going to school for like a uh, user interface design, like user experience. So I'm like trying to like, I mean, maybe really the end goal for Snowboy is to just like have like a big example of like my work that I can show to like a potential employer, like in the future, whether it's a ski company or not, like I don't really know. Yeah, I think like another weird issue with the thing is that like, it's funny like hearing that the magazine's popular because like, I don't really see that like, especially living in Calgary. The last couple of years, like the only people really skiing handrails were like, did you see like the video we put out last year, like POD? Yeah, Path of Destruction. Yeah. Yeah. So those are just like all my friends and I and we would like go skiing together. And those are like the only skiers I really talk to. It's like four people. So it's like, there's not (laughs) like from my like viewpoint, it's like, I'll put out a magazine and then I'll like hear from Brendan, like, oh yeah, it was sick or whatever. And like, I don't know, like, I think I don't like understand like how big of like an audience it has, which like maybe like doesn't help the routine of like getting it out and like on a regular basis. I don't know. Cause like, there's a lot of people who read it and a lot of people buy it, but it's more so just like, almost just like a fun joke between me and my like five friends. So like,
0: I don't know. It's hard to get out sometimes. Dude, I like that. I really like, I mean, I, I like that it's not serious. I like that you're not doing super serious gear reviews. Like this is, this is this year's ski. I mean, even if it's like from a company that you dearly love, like I wouldn't want to read it, you know? Like I don't think people care about about reviews at all like literally at all i think that people like don't give a shit and i think that this this content is like so much better for for what skiing's about yeah but it is it is interesting that you kind of don't pay attention i mean the the sales give you some sort of metric for for the popularity you know
1: yeah but it's like just for fun basically at the end of the day i never thought that like i don't know I've never been like, oh, yeah, this is going to be my full-time job. I was always like, no, like, this is just, like, another fun thing I'm working on. Yeah. I don't don't really make any money doing it. Like, I, like, actually, like, most of the time lose money. So, it's, like, not, like, something I feel like I can really, like, I could, I guess, like, make it, like, a bit bigger, but it's, like, for what reason, really? You know what I mean? Yeah, I know what you mean.
0: Dude, it's just, so, <laughs> this is funny, man. Cause it's it like, we're really just talking, we're talking about this thing that I, I really enjoy reading. And you're just like, yeah, it's kind of just a joke. <laughs> and you can kind of tell that it's like a little bit of like a tongue in cheek joke, but I mean, dude, you're talking about your next issue is going to have over a hundred, a hundred pages. Like that's pretty, that's, that's like, <laughs> it's like a legit magazine. It's very funny. Here's, here's, here's my next idea for the magazine. I want
1: to have a rave, a big rave. And then that's it. There's it's not skiing related at all. Or hell, I don't know. I always thought it'd be sick to do, like do a rail jam or something. Like a that rail jam sick. that's like a eight kink closeout rail or something. And We'll just like set up a sound system at the bottom and just like invite people. I don't know. I just like want it to be fun. Like I don't want I got enough stress in my life. I don't want to take it too seriously.
0: Dude, I love that. I don't. I, yeah i'm kind of at a loss for words of what to say because it's like there's so much uh <laughs> there's so much unknown and just like whatever about the whole thing how did, so actually i do have a question for you because so how did you get like will wesson involved and uh, like Talty dan and like these dudes that act, like actually really care about the ski industry and really pay attention to it how did you get them on board did you reach out or was or did they come to you
1: um i think like dan was always aware of me um Dan like for transparency was like one of the first investors in the magazine he like when I was putting out the second issue or something he like paid me to like pay all the writers like I was trying to like pay out all the writers like at least a little bit and he like helped me with like the money for that which was like really sick so like but I think that's because he knew me like from my video parts like as a skier like not as like a magazine owner and like i actually don't even remember how will got involved but like Will was like down to, for like ski stuff so like <laughs> i think it must have been like through instagram or something i'm not sure will sick though and andy too uh andy was like we interviewed him for the last issue and he was like super down to come on i saw he was like the first guest on your podcast yeah andy bear
0: yeah so that i mean that was something separate um I don't know if I've ever told anyone the backstory about that, especially like on the show, but I was working on a, uh, I was in grad school and I had to do my thesis project about something. And uh, I was in a sports management program. So I was like, dude, I'm doing something about skiing. Like I cannot write another paper about the NFL. Like I just can't, can't write about anything that like, I'm not super passionate about. So I, the whole, the whole concept was you had to write a, you had to identify a problem and then propose a solution to it so my my the problem I identified was like accessibility and skiing it's just so expensive and hard to start skiing if if you don't start as like a four-year-old you know and mm-hmm. so um i worked with andy on that project and just reached out to him and so like that first episode of this was kind of like source material for this paper that i ended up writing for uh grad school
1: yeah andy cares about that stuff a lot it's pretty sick I remember when like I called him up to interview him he just like had so many facts ready to go about like the
0: raising like cost of skiing and whatever like uh I don't know <laughs> it's pretty sick definitely and he's working on something else uh he's working on like this kids uh, kids ski free actually maybe I'll try to do a follow-up with him but uh there's some he's working on some cool stuff for accessibility I think uh I don't know I think it's pretty cool
1: yeah that's what's up yeah I met like those guys briefly they we're doing like the telefriend tours in Banff, um, and I like went up for those and like talked with those guys briefly or like took the lift with them and stuff. But I don't think they like remember me nor
0: think that I run the magazine. But they were very nice when I met them. Yeah, yeah. So in terms of like the the Canadian ski scene, what's uh what's the landscape like? Like, where's the the hub of? Where's the hub of you know the opre – you know, kind of like the people that just ski like twice a year but spend a shit ton of money. Like, where's that epicenter? And then where's like the street skiing epicenter? Because I could, I mean, I I could easily identify them in the United States, but in Canada, it's just like I feel like Whistler, like the BC area, is kind yeah. of just like the bougie. You know, go skiing three times a year, have the most expensive gear. But it, mm-hmm. I mean, is that the case? uh
1: Well, like Banff, where like I grew up skiing, it's like an hour and a half. From, or maybe like an hour from Calgary, for like, I don't know anyone who's around here, is sort of like that. It's like kind of like one of those like Disneyland style ski towns where it's like, just like fake, like it's just like not real. <laughs> like, I don't know, they have like all the hotels and stuff there and like people come out for their ski vacation to go to like Sunshine or Lake Louise. That's like, yeah, I'd say Banff and Whistler are like kind of like the touristy hubs for Canada, which is funny because those are like both places that I, like lived and skied in. well i didn't live in Banff, but i like lived by there and would ski in Banff. and i lived in whistler and like i don't know those places are really weird i'm not crazy about them but like for street skiing like i don't really know i guess montreal where i am now because i live with like flat stanley you know that guy yeah yeah and like we live a couple blocks from party boy roy and like Yeah. So I guess we're going to go skiing together this year and like film something. I don't really know. But like, I can't think of anywhere like other than like here where there's like street skiing going on. There's like a bunch of like Quebecois skiers,
0: but I don't really know this. The ski scene in Canada is like pretty small, I would say. That's interesting. That actually does surprise me because, I mean, at least from my perspective, it's like it's a place that's freezing cold like most of the year. And you're saying that there's like not that many skiers. I think there used to be,
1: I think like recently, it's kind of like died down a bit recently, meaning like five years ago, maybe till now, Mm. I remember there being like a lot more crews, like when I was like younger that were like making videos and stuff, but actually, I don't even know, maybe there are the same amount of crews, but I just like don't pay as much attention. So like, I just don't even know, but yeah, I don't really know. It's pretty small. It's definitely not like Salt Lake City. You ever
0: been there? Yeah, my uh my girlfriend, my girlfriend's parents moved out there, and so she's spending the winter out there, so I'm going to be uh going back and forth a little bit. I was I literally just got back from there like 2 days ago and it's uh it's a weird spot, man. It's a city full of skiers and Mormons and like that's it. It's it is just it, it's the most bizarre combination of people ever, you know? Yeah. Uh, have you have you ever been out there?
1: Yeah, I went to, not, lo- not last winter, but the winter before when I was like riding for Vishnu, uh, I went out there to like try and like film for like the Vishnu video, I guess, or like just like to go on a trip there. I was on like winter break from university. And uh, man, yeah, I was like not cutting mid out there. That place was like crazy. I remember like going to Park City and like people were just like doing crazy stuff. And I was like, just like I could barely even like hit the jumps. I remember like just being so petrified to try and trying like 360 the jump at Park City. I was like, I don't know, like if I could like live down here and like cut it with these guys. Like everyone there is crazy. It's like, and there's like so many skiers too. It's like bizarre. I remember like I went to Woodward, like Woodward Park City to like get picked up with some by someone to like go try and find like street spots and like I remember i was like sitting in the parking lot for like half an hour like drinking a coffee just like watching like famous skiers go by (laughs) i was like sitting on the bench i remember seeing like taylor like lundquist like walk by it was crazy yeah salt lake city's crazy i don't think i'm moving there though i'm like okay with canada i think yeah (laughs) even the woodward there is crazy like i remember always wanting to go to woodward as a kid and then i like finally made it there last year and it was like the ski one i like just thought that was crazy that i was like at woodward and it's just like just outside of salt lake city or whatever but i remember i couldn't afford a pass and i tried to sneak up the hill and got caught kicked out (laughs) that was pretty fun so i didn't even get to ski at woodward
0: yeah Would would you watch like all the woodward stuff coming out of pennsylvania like camp woodward yeah i wanted to go skate there
1: like so bad when i was a kid but it was just like i wasn't gonna like fly from like Canada to Pennsylvania to skate like a skate park like that would be kind of like over the top. I don't know. Couldn't afford it. But like I don't know. It's cool. And they got like the one in Salt Lake City so funny, they just have like a massive rollerblade jump
0: into a foam pit. <laughs> it's like I don't know. Just like funny, funny stuff. It's cool. I don't know. Yeah. Dude you made me you just made me think of this talking about skating. Are you big on uh on Trash Bar in Montreal? now that you're living there? Nah,
1: no, nah, that place sucks. <laughs> sucks? Yeah, not Dan. I went to IF3 this year, like alone. That sucked because I like told my roommate, like flat stand, that I'd buy him like a ticket to IF3 if he like there was some favor, if he like washed the dishes or something. So the tickets to like IF3 were like seven bucks or something. And then he like didn't do the dishes and I didn't buy him a ticket, but he thought I did buy him a ticket. And then like the night came around and I was like ready to go and he was like where's my ticket i was like i didn't you didn't do the dishes or whatever like you don't get one. so i just walked down to a trash bar by myself it's like a couple blocks from my house and like i don't know i don't I, the whole like there's like a skate bowl in there like that it was really it's kind of lame i don't know <laughs> i3 was crazy though because i had never gone before and i always thought it would be like I don't know, like, I was like, how many people could really show up for, like, a ski movie premiere, or, like, whatever, I guess they have, like, snowboarding, too, but then I, like, showed up there that night, and it was just, like, packed, like, it was insane, there were, like, so many, it was, like, the most people I've seen, like, at a bar, like, ever, and they were just, like, there to watch, like, ski videos, so, like, that was cool, I don't know, but Trash Bar itself is, like, kind of the place you, like, don't go in Montreal, because it's, like, kind of lame, I don't know.
0: That's interesting, dude. I always, uh, whenever me and my friends would go up there, we like to hit, that was like our pregame spot. We'd go up there, get some sangria going on the patio, mm. try to drop into the bowl. I mean, we're such like, I'm such a poser when it comes to skating. Like I, I suck. I'm just so bad. So we would go there at like earlier in the night when nobody was there, but that's interesting that oh, it yeah. sucks once it's actually going
1: yeah i don't know i think like for context like some of the reason i guess like the reason that people aren't down with it is because like there's just like a lot of gnarly like kind of sexual misconduct stories that like come out of there that like are like kind of corrupt so like people aren't really down i forget the story but like i remember like one guy who worked at trash bar like went to jail for like i mean i can't say it. it would be like slander he went to jail for like some sort of like sex crime related thing and then like when he got back out like trash bar tried to hold like a fundraiser for him or something and like ever since then it's kind of been like trash bar has been like not that sick i don't know
0: yeah this is just an urban legend nothing's nothing's on the record this is just something something that he heard through the grapevine
1: yes i don't want to like get sued or
0: something but it's the true story So, uh, so what is the good, what is the good bar in Montreal? Cause in anyone that hasn't been, we're talking about Salt Lake city. Anyone that hasn't been to Montreal should really go to Montreal. Cause that isn't, that is an awesome Canadian city. And if you're, mm-hmm. if, if you're living on the East coast, like myself, it is not even that far away from any point no. in New England.
1: It's really sick. I think like bar is like the local spot, they just like got a free pool table and like have bands playing all the time. That place is really sick. But if you come in the summer, they have like, a bunch of like DIY, like outdoor events, like dance parties sort of, that like happen a couple times a week. And like, those are like basically where you wanna go, but they only happen like in the summer. And I think like, I don't know that like the outdoor like DIY parties were like what I was mostly into, like when I came here, mainly because of like my interest in like electronic music, I guess, I guess like all music, but like, so like, that's like kind of what I gravitated towards. but yeah, outdoor parties and, like, bar flies, like, pretty sick. Go, like, to a rave in a sewer or something, I don't know. It's pretty fun.
0: <laughs> Damn, bro. Do you do any, uh, resort riding out there, or are you all in the
1: street now? I haven't gone skiing this year, and I, like, don't know when the first day I will, will be. There's no snow. Like, it was, it's like 10 degrees outside right now. It's, like, I don't know when this is coming out, but it's, like, December 14th right now, and there's, like, just, like, no snow. So, I haven't even got my skis mounted yet. I've been having like a bunch of trouble getting my skis mounted here because I it, I don't know. I guess people just like don't ski around here. So it's like kind of turned into a hor- whole ordeal. But uh, I don't know. I like went down to the ski shop that was like pretty close to my house. Well, I like called them the morning before. I was like, I want to get a pair of skis mounted. Like how long will it take? And they're like two weeks. And like I've worked in a ski shop before. So I know like two weeks is just like that's what you say when it's like busy or whatever it's like never like really two weeks so I like rode I don't have a car and like none of my friends have cars because it's like I don't know in Montreal it's like so dense it like doesn't really make any sense so like I rode down on my bike to the ski shop like with all my equipment <clears throat> and like walked in there and I was like yeah I like called in this morning I like you guys said it was going to take two weeks to get my skis mounted I just want to drop them off like just like call me when they're done or whatever and they're like Oh no, it's actually you know two weeks to make an appointment, and then once you have the appointment, you bring your skis in, and then from there it'll be like a couple weeks. And I was like, uh, okay, like <laughs> I don't know, I worked at a shop before, and I know it takes like a couple minutes to like get that done. And I was like, okay, whatever. And then I like had to like ride even further to this other shop, and like the skis I have this year from Surface, they're like not that big, they're like one fifteen underfoot or something. And I, like, get to the shop, and I'm, like, can you guys mount these up? And they're, like, yeah, no chance. Like, don't have a jig wide enough for that. I'm, like, what do you mean? They're just, like, pretty much normal size skis. And they're, like, yeah, nah, we, we don't have it. <laughs> so, like, as it stands, those are, like, the only two ski shops within, like, a reasonable distance from my house. And so I think I'm just going to go back to Calgary and get my skis mounted, and then maybe I'll start filming for the year after that.
0: What the? So with no car, how do you like get to the mountain? If you even like Trembl Tremblant, for example, you just don't go. No, nah.
1: <laughs> not going to the mountain. I haven't bought a I haven't bought a season's pass in like three, four, five years, maybe. Like I don't really know. Um, I would just like. I mean, I don't want to get into the specifics of how I was going to the resort, but like I definitely didn't have a pass, and like was not prepared to pay like one hundred twenty bucks for a day pass but here like i think we're just going to like bike to handrails basically maybe go for like one day on the mountain or something see this is like why i like shouldn't be running a ski magazine cuz like i don't know like what the hell is going on i'm not going to the resort i'm not skiing and i yeah i don't know what's happening in the industry but i don't know biking to spots might be fun maybe i'll hop on the bus or something to get to a spot
0: yeah uh so what so you said you were interested in like you have a lot of other projects and uh, we'll wrap this up soon. But like maybe like you want to you want to spit some game about what else you're interested in and like give us a look into another world. Because I mean, this this is all only people that hit ski listen to this. So, I mean, you want if you want to expose some people to something real quick, that'd be uh, that'd be pretty cool.
1: Expose? I don't know. I just like I'm interested in music. Like I play like in a band in Calgary, which is like currently like I'm here, so we're not like working on anything, but writing some new riffs to like record when I go back to Calgary, like whenever for Christmas or something. And like I don't know. I'm working on like a solo music project. If you like know me, you'll like know what's going on. But uh you yeah, said you're in but... the reading. What what type of books you're reading right now? uh right now i'm reading this book called i mean this is like lowbrow reading it's like not like theory or anything but I'm reading like a book called a dog with a hat about like a uh american cyclist who it's like a biography he like moves to belgium to become like a pro like bike racer and he like gets there and it turns out everyone's just doing like crazy drugs and he's just like trying to keep up and that's like been a good like entertaining read um for, like, a day job, I'm, like, a bike courier. Like, I'm, like, riding my bike, like, eight hours a day, every day. So, like, a lot of my, like, mental, I don't know, ram is used up by, like, <laughs> cycling stuff right now, which is, I don't know. This is, like, I'm sure the readers, or sorry, the listeners of this podcast are, like, not going to be interested in, like, cycling. But I'm, like, yeah, pretty into biking <laughs> and, like, deliveries. No, I like I it. Okay. Okay
0: maybe cut this part out (laughs) this there's no end game no this this is i I actually i actually am wondering this too and i don't know why they bring it up earlier like so you already said the magazine doesn't make much money you know and that's that's the and that's something that i probably i expected because like this doesn't look cheap to produce at all so you so Hmm. you're a full-time student and you have a full-time job um well i'm actually
1: like deferring a year from university that's why I'm here, because I go to school in Calgary at Mount Royal University, and like I finished up my third year, and I just like did it like under COVID rules, like it was like what we're doing right now in Zoom like every day, like for like a full semester or like, sorry, like two semesters, two and a half semesters, I guess, year and a half. And like I was just over it, I needed a break, so I deferred a year, and now I'm here just working full time, like just like doing deliveries on my bike, because I was working as like a bike courier in Calgary before. so. Just like seemed logical to do here when I showed
0: up. Yeah, what do you do as a bike courier? Because I've never Um, heard I've never heard of that profession other than like something, like delivering newspapers when you're like a teenager. So what do you do as as an adult doing it? Well, when I was
1: in Calgary, it was just like every day, like get on the bike eight o'clock in the morning, and like you would ride from. It's always like downtown, so I'd be like downtown. I would go to like like a lawyer's office or like some big company. I'd go to like CBC or something and I would pick up like document documents that are like required to be signed like with a pen and paper, like from one business. And I would like bring it on my bike to another and drop it off and then like sometimes bring it back and like I don't know, I would just like deliver flowers and stuff. It's like just like a delivery service, but like when you need something to delivered within like two or three hours or less even sometimes you just like i don't know i would work for a company that would like send me there on my bike to pick it up and like drop it off and i do like the same thing here but it's like uh i'm like delivering food and stuff and like not as many like proper documents and stuff which lost me some street cred in the messenger community but it's okay
0: (laughs) you ever uh do you ever know what the documents are about or you is it like don't ask don't tell like you pick up the document and they're like get this here now um some you most of the time you don't know there's like a couple notable ones where like
1: i would pick up like divorce papers from like a lawyer's office and then i would like go and serve the person like i would just show up at like some guy's house and i would be like just riding my stupid bike or whatever I'm like yeah here you go these are here <laughs> like divorce like because they would just say divorce filings like on the outside like they'd be labeled just be like oh, sorry man like
0: here you go uh (laughs) here you you go did you have to get them do you have to get them to admit that it's them yeah yeah those ones
1: were bad and I also remember like you would have to do like bank filing so you would like pick up like all the checks like from a business for the day and like go to the bank and you would like like give them to the teller and they would give you like a receipt for it and you would like be able to read the receipt and I just remember like every day I would be like depositing like fifteen thousand dollars worth of checks and then like bringing it back to the like office where i got it from or whatever and i would get paid like 275 for the trip like two bucks 75 cents i'm like i don't know that was always funny but i always like i've really always been into like biking and stuff like especially in the summer so it was always like delivering stuff on the bike is like the only like type of going pro i've ever like experienced, I guess, like, because I was like, I always knew I was never going to like be a pro ski or anything like from the beginning. So now I just like get to ride my bike and get paid, I guess, which is like close, maybe. Yeah, <laughs> but it pays, it pays terribly. I don't know. I don't
0: recommend it. Well, dude, to my t- knees are horrible it's a profession it's a profession from like the 1700s so i'm not surprised they're paying you like super low wages
1: <laughs> are they yeah. paying
0: you per package or is it hourly or or how does that work
1: it's like per delivery it's like 275 per delivery and then like uh sorry like at a proper like not where i work now but at a proper courier place is like 275 per delivery and if it's like a big box or something you like get paid a bit more i don't know damn and, you, but you like if you live in a city, like you'll see those people around. Like you'll just like see people biking around with giant backpacks and stuff. But it's only like in an urban area. Like it's not gonna happen like in the suburbs or whatever. But I've always been like a downtown liver, so like I was always like around the couriers and stuff. So yeah, it's like how I got into it.
0: You were raised into the courier life.
1: Yeah, I got put on by like a couple like pretty active couriers in Calgary. Shout out to them, Tegan, Darren, and Connor guys are sick is it is it this is probably like so boring to like someone who's like wants to listen to a thing about skiing like yeah really, but... like we haven't talked about skiing at all
0: <laughs> that's all right dude like honestly not everyone wants to hear about skiing 24 7 so maybe it's yeah. good to get into the courier weeds is it is uh the courier lifestyle is that byob bring your own bike
1: yeah for sure you're not getting the bike um yeah, you just gotta, like, build on or whatever. Keep it running. Uh,
0: yeah, I don't know. Do they, <laughs> you're what, not getting a free bike. Say, you say like, you damage your bike in the course of doing business. Would, somebody, would they pay for repairs or is that all on you?
1: Nah. You get, like, hit by a car. Like, you don't, like, get sick leave or anything. Like, it's... You're, like, all, like, career places employ you as, like, an independent contractor. So, you, like, don't really have any rights or anything. So... Bring your own bike, like just keep it maintained, and like if you get hit by a car or whatever, like good luck, basically. Cause like you just can't work, so you just like don't get paid. You don't get like injury leave or anything. It's pretty like it's not a good job. You gotta like really wanna
0: go biking, like to do it. Dude, it does not sound like a good job, honestly. But props to you for doing it. If you enjoy biking, I guess that's the I guess that's a good good way to make some change. Yeah. I can't justify it. Word all right so uh now that we turned this into a, a biking pod let's uh let's close it up what's uh what's on deck for the future any big ideas i like i really like the idea of an eight eight king closeout rail jam like i think I, yeah. think I think that's pretty sick you got any other ideas in the chamber that uh joke or not that you think that you think about snow void dance party
1: would be pretty sick um
0: Going to try and have the new magazine out on time. Uh,
1: I'm playing, like, some live set. When is, when is this going to come out?
0: You know? Maybe by Friday. If at all. Yeah. By no, oh, Friday. Okay. Yeah, I'd like to try to get it out this weekend. Um, yeah, I'm playing, like, some
1: well, – I guess you guys are going to miss it. I'm, like, playing a live set in Montreal on Thursday. So, I like, guess, like, a day before. And uh, I don't know. How much? Oscar, you got anything to – What's uh, going on, man? Yo, uh, what's going on this weekend? This so uh, weekend? Well, just uh, got some freezing rain, so. Yeah, there's freezing rain. He's got a date on Friday. I'd say, like, that's the biggest thing coming up for either of us. Yeah.
0: And, uh, yeah. <laughs> no big plans. Word. All right. So where where can uh, let people know where they can buy the magazine?
1: Uh, snowboy.com. S-N-O hyphen V-O-I-D dot com um yeah i have no other links to plug that's it check it out if you want to go there there's like some videos on the (laughs)
0: website now so theo thanks for coming on man that was uh that was a funny one thanks for giving me the time of day